Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, so you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world. You're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing. I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff. So congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien. With much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I'm so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow. And now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Dude, she's definitely gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick, look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Episode 349 of the podcast, episode one of the podcast, in a brand new studio here in the heart of Scottsdale, Arizona. This is The O Show, again, episode 349, with our guest in studio, first in studio guest in like two years, man, because of the pandemic. He's an on-air personality, the host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. It's Alex Clancy, but most importantly, though, and this is the real kicker, he came in here willingly i didn't have to pay him i didn't have to do anything he's nice enough he's a nice guy to want to come in here and actually sit down with an amateur such as myself so alex clancy welcome to the program yeah, man thanks for having me I'm, I'm honored that i'm the first guest in studio here i I'm, as we were saying before i'm very good at digging up people's information i was <laughs> able to find you on linkedin able to find your email and again it was up to you to respond and want to do this so again thank you very much no i hope you're not too busy no 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 not at all Happy to do it. Because we got a lot to uncover. You being in sports radio, I just graduated with a degree in journalism from Grand Canyon University. Go Lopes. And uh, you being, you know, all around the world, you're obviously covering the Cardinals. I listened to the show this morning. You guys do a show every single day, Mm -hmm. right? Every single day of the week, you guys are doing the lockdown show for the Cardinals? Yeah. How do you make that work? It's easy. I mean, technology is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, My co-host, Bob Rock, and myself, we have a system. You know, and we do, it's only 25 minutes or so, so it's not a full-fledged show. Right. It's a quick hitter. Uh, we stream it on Twitter and uh, Facebook, and it's up on iTunes and wherever you find podcasts. Piece of cake. I mean, you Fun time to be a Cardinals fan. You definitely have the chemistry between the two of you, you and Bo. Obviously, it, it just works. Like, everybody listens to the show's growing. I mean, I wish you all the best with the show. I listened this morning, like, right off the bat, you guys, obviously, the Cardinals, you know, making big moves, you know? Like, who's to say what's going to happen this year? I know you're not the biggest Cliff uh, Kingsbury fan. Sure. I, I'm sure USC feels the exact same way. I was always stunned by that. Like, how long was he there? He wasn't there. 15 minutes. Like, you literally showed them their card. Like, I don't give a crap about any of these guys. Like, oh, the Cardinals are calling? I'm just going to jump ship well, yeah, right I now. mean, the, the thought process was he was going to be the offensive coordinator. Clay Helton was going to get fired, and he was going to take over. Like, that was the whole plan, you would think, the, for him to take that job. That showed how little he thought of himself from an NFL perspective. 
And, you know, the fact that in Arizona, that the Cardinals called him was a surprise to him like it was to everybody. It, to me, like, I, I hate the guy. Like, off the bat, I'm like, okay, this guy's all about himself. Well, I mean, here's the thing. is like, if, if the NFL calls you, you take it. And I don't Fair. dislike Cliff Kingsbury. I just think I equated to a pre-calculus student that failed pre-calculus and then got moved up to AP calculus. Doesn't make any sense. He's never been a winning coach in college. So why would you get a job in the NFL? That's, that's the whole litmus test for it. Um, the fact that they drafted Kyler Murray, he's tied to Kyler now because they have a ties back to Correct. Texas and all of that. That's where we are. I mean, it looks great on paper. I mean, the offense, you know, put the defense aside. Kyler Murray at the forefront, the front man of that offense in a sense. DeAndre Hopkins you bring in last year. I I heard that you called that like an hour before uh, it actually happened on Twitter, and everybody was just giving you crap for it, and then it actually happened. I was like, what if the Cardinals traded David Johnson in a second-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, and it happened an hour later? That's, I mean, how many times do you have to be wrong for one to be right? So I was wrong plenty of times before that about other stuff. But, yeah, that was, that was a, an interesting uh, little transition from me guessing it to it happening. So how often, you know, as like a reporter, a guy who does a show, people listening, you know, Cardinals fans, just as any other fan, you know, you're, you're going to that person and you're either agreeing with them, you're disagreeing with them. How much crap do you get on Twitter from people on a daily basis? And how do you, like, combat that and, like, deal Twitter with it? special. Yeah. Um, it's getting more, uh, it's getting worse, but better by the day. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of banter back and forth. And that's the beauty of social media. If you use it correctly, like Bo and I disagree on the majority of things. He's more of a, not straight lace, but he's things he just sees things completely differently than I do. Uh, we agree a lot, but on Twitter, it's the same kind of thing. It's about having conversations because if you say, hypothetically speaking for the draft, they drafted Zabin College at 16 overall. Mm-hmm. I was pounding the table, as were many, for a cornerback there because that's the most glaring need on the defense. And then the draft grade came out, say it was a B. And I said, you know, the draft grade was a B. And then you'd have 10 people say, what, what are you talking about? You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, what do you mean? Instead of, instead of just shutting it down or blocking people, which is what a lot of people do, it's like, let's have a conversation about it. First of all, nobody knows what's going to happen. It's all projection. So why are we yelling at each other about something that nobody knows? It's like the stock market. What's going to happen in a year? You can yell about it now, but we really have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. So that once you get past the threshold of feeling offended on Twitter, which happens a lot if you let it get to you, it's fun. It's all about conversation. That's why you get into this business, to interact with people who have the same common interests that you do. And I'm lucky enough to have a platform to be able to talk about it and have people react instead of vice versa. I mean, I've always thought of it as just like a giant cesspool of people who either know what they're talking about or just are out there just, you know, spitting out nonsense, you know? Like Joe Buck, I think, handles it the best because he gets the most criticism out of anybody just because, for whatever reason, there's a lot of people that don't like him, you know, doing the games, and he does all the big national games, too. But he fires right back at people, yeah. which is what I love about him. Yeah, his, it's it's the nepotism thing. His dad was a was a very famous announcer for the, for Correct, the, for yeah. the Cardinals and... Uh, he's one of the best in the business. It's, it's, and I think it's more about Troy Aikman. He gets the flag for Troy Aikman being boring or being just, you know, run of the mill and, and not really fun like Tony Romo, which is what everybody's trying to be. Yeah. Joe Buck, he's used to it. And he, he is proactive about just negating. And it's, yeah, the cesspool, but it's, it's, a, it's beautiful just madness. You just have to look at it as for exactly what it is. You can find information quickly. You can get in an argue, argument quickly, and you can always find somebody that agrees with you. You just have to search sometimes. 
I grew up in New Jersey, so big New York Yankees fan. We are like the most bipolar fans in the world. I mean, I, I'm speaking, you know, looking kind of as an outsider. Like, I'm not even like a diehard fan like I used to be, but I see it on Twitter all the time. One thing goes wrong, fire Aaron Boone. Like, the guy has no idea what he's talking about. Gary Sanchez, bench him, though I'm one of the few that agrees. You should bench Gary Sanchez. Kyle Higashioka is kicking ass right now. <laughs> but uh, then as soon as someone, like, one home run, we go up one nothing in the second inning. Who's going to beat us? Who the hell is going to beat us? Yeah. Like, it's so bipolar. So it's very interesting to see how people react on Twitter and how, you know, people like in, in you know, your world having to spit out this information, um, whether it's correct, incorrect, or indifferent, how you're able to react to that. Yeah. Um, fan is short for fanatic. And people forget that a lot of times. Fanatic is just completely irrational form of human being when they're in that mode. I'm yeah. not saying fan, fans are irrational all the time, but when they're in that mode, it's, you're always wrong. It's never my team that's wrong. It's always somebody else. That's one of the beautiful byproducts of being in radio is, sure, well, I never grew I didn't grow up here. I grew up in L.A., okay? I, I've lived here for 10 years. Bo Brock has lived here for a little bit longer. We didn't grow up Cardinals fans. So the fact that we get to cover them from an outside perspective, and now it's you just endear yourself to a team you cover because it's a lot more fun to talk about positive things than negative things. So with radio, you talk about all the sports and the majority of the teams, so you kind of – the fandom kind of dissipates. You know, I only really associate with the Lakers because I grew up with Magic yeah. and then Kobe, and so I have that. But if it's somebody's fault with the Lakers, if, if it's their wrongdoing, I'm always able to say that. I can thank radio for that, for giving me the balance. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just nuts. It, it, it's really just, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to explain it sometimes. Sometimes it's very frustrating. Like I was saying with the Yankee analogy, like people like, like you, you were correct, you know, fan is short for fanatic. So you, again, both of you guys didn't grow up in Arizona. Right. You're not diehard fans, so you're able to analyze it from a different perspective, you know? There are some people in the industry that grew up diehard fans, you know? Um, off the top of my head, Michael Kay, John Sterling with the Yes Network, again, growing up watching the Yankees. Those guys were diehard fans who kind of were molded and shaped and formed into the business, and mm -hmm. they do a great job. But then there's, again, people like you who didn't grow into it, and you're able to analyze it from a different perspective. And you only, you said you only kind of, you know, gave to the Lakers growing up in L.A.? Yeah. That was, was I wish it. I could. I wish I could associate with the Dodgers just to troll Diamondbacks fans, but I'm not. Like, I'm not, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a bandwagon guy. It'd be easy. The Dodgers be easy. I grew up in L.A. I lived there for 20 years, but I'm not going to do it. So when the Lakers won the finals, were you going nuts or was it yeah, more just like, still, whatever? Yeah, but still, it, it, it's adult. dissipated a little bit because of just talking in radio. It's like, I don't know. I mean, it's, put it this way. When I'm not doing the podcast or the, the show that I'm on or prepping for a show, whatever, I don't listen to sports. Like, I try to disassociate as much as I can. I'm on Netflix at home. I don't watch, like, I'll watch live sporting events and I'll yeah. watch a bunch of stuff, but I need to calm the hell out, man. Like, I need to get away from it. So you can get burnt out with anything. So when the Lakers won, first of all, it was the bubble. So it was just kind of, eh, you don't really want to win that way. Uh, unfortunately, the pandemic happened and forced everything. But sure, I gave a little fist pump. I was excited. I wanted them to win. I didn't want them to lose. But it wasn't the same as it was when, you know, in 2010 when Kobe and, and Powell won it or with Shaq and Kobe before that, a little bit more organic then. And this was seemed kind of forced. They just happened to be the best team at the right time. I'm the exact same way when it comes to, like, sports. As I love sports. It's the reason I went into the sports industry. It's the reason I want to go in this. It's the reason I got the bachelor's degree in sports. But at the same time, it, it becomes a job. And you got to find a way to balance it because it's not going to feel the exact same way when you were nine years old. Like, I remember I'd stay inside all day. Like, my friends would come knocking at the door. I wouldn't go outside and play because the Yankees were on. Mm -hmm. I wanted to watch the game. I haven't sat down and watched a Yankee game, I think, since, like, maybe 2019. 
I'm just like not invested in the same way. Like I could literally just go on my phone, go on my team stream, get all my information there. Right. Like it's the exact same thing. Yeah. And there's still people my age today that are still like, dude, are, are you watching the game right now? Did you see what happened? I'm like, no, I honestly. There's 161 more of them. It, it's you nuts know? that way. Yeah. So, so you starting out, you know, in the industry, you know, did you kind of just fall into sports radio? Was it the plan from a young yeah. age? No, no. Um, I went to college. Uh, I took a psychology degree because I didn't want to be the uh, dumbass, for lack of a better phrase, with yeah. open option. You know, because you don't know. Oh, you're 18. You don't know what you want to do with your life. College. We can do a whole other podcast on that. Um, if you don't know exactly what you're going for, it. regardless, I graduated. Uh, I was working 70 hours a week. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I met with a guy, friend of a friend who happened to know Kwame Lasseter, who was a beloved Arizona Cardinal, passed away last year. Um, he was a family friend, really close to him. He goes, listen, uh, why don't you move out to Arizona? I'll give you a job at my company, and I'll introduce you to Kwame. He has a small internet radio show, and we'll give you a shot, and we'll see what happens. So I moved out here for a chance to be on this small radio show, um, and if I wasn't good without any experience, then he would just you know kick me off or probably right. give me a couple chances to let me go. So... It took me six months. I didn't think it was going to happen. I met him and Junior Spivey at the same time, and I just, my mouth dropped. Like, I don't get starstruck. Junior Spivey, watching him growing up, when they won the World Series with the Diamondbacks, like, oh, man, this guy's a star. And Kwame, too, we sat and talked for an hour at Starbucks and Gilbert, and um, he gave me a shot, and I ended up doing that show for four years with him. So it was, uh, I, was I, I was terrible. Like, I can't believe he gave me a chance. You know, I can't believe he gave me a chance, but I would learn. I really learned about football through him. And Kwame taught me so much. Like, one of the most giving, intelligent people um, about the game of football and just about radio and just the industry. Like, he was, he was the best. So that's, that's where I started. And then I got, uh, I went over to, ten, so I, I made a mistake. And this, is, this was the first mistake that I made. I, I'm not going to overlook it. I tried to start my own show on that network because I had people coming to me like, hey, why don't you do your show, a show once a week? We need to fill time. And uh, Kwame was not happy about that. So he let me go from the show. And I was like, what did I do? Like, I should have asked him first. Like, there were so many lessons that I learned right away. Like, obviously, what a terrible, what a terrible decision. This guy did everything for me. I moved out here. He gave me a chance. And I just go, I didn't go behind his back, but I asked him, like, hey, what do you think about me getting, because the show was Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday at the time. I'm like, what do you think about me doing a Wednesday show by myself? He goes, go for it. I'm like, hey, so this is what, he goes, well, thank you for your time. I'm not going to need your services anymore. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I would have fired wow. my ass too. I would have fired me too. So I got picked up by 1060 to do voiceover stuff, little things. I got to fill in on a Saturday morning radio show, but I was still in the business. Um, wasn't making any money. Zero. I got paid a dollar since I moved here four years before from, from radio. Um, and then I joined this little school called Alpha Pacific Institute. I, like, I was like, I want to do this. I moved out here. I don't live near the beach anymore. For, like, I want, I'd rather be poor near the beach than poor out here. And uh, I joined this little company called Alpha Pacific Institute where I met some great people. I learned the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I parlayed that into a traffic reporter job at iHeartMedia. I never reported traffic before. I don't know any, like, they put five screens in front of you. It's like, I'm supposed to look at all this stuff at one time, look at cameras and talk? I, what am I doing here? Um, yeah, so I drive in the slow lane now. Little thing, <laughs> I, no way. Arizona, Arizona drivers are the worst. I thought California was, but the melting pot of just everybody from all over the country yep. just was terrible. But then I moved, I wanted to learn the production side after that. 
So I went over to the news channel, nothing even close to what I wanted to do, but I wanted to learn what all the buttons meant. I didn't want to be somebody that didn't know anything and just could talk into a microphone. So I did that, and I segued over to KGME at um, Fox Sports 910, and I ended up running the board for Jody Ayler and Kenny and Crash. I joined Kenny and Crash's show, and then now I'm producing Jody Ayler's show. So it's just, it was, it's been a whirlwind. I love every second of it, but it's, I accidentally went through all of the different steps I needed to go through without even knowing it. Right. Which was a trip. So, yeah, sorry if that was long-winded. No, I mean, I don't think any of that was an accident, per se. Like, it's led you to where you are right now. I think it's very funny to go back to, you know, you're working Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, correct? And you want to do a one-hour show. You want to do a Wednesday show by yourself, and he was just like, oh, hell yeah, go for it. It was kind of cynical, though, because he's like, now you're out. Well, that's crazy. testing me. And it was one of the best tests I ever ever failed in my life. Like, Kwame, we lost a really good one last year. Like, he's... Not only did he play for the Cardinals forever, you know, yeah. he played he played with he played with the Rams. Like he was such a good person. If you don't know about Kwame Lasser, people that are listening, Google him. Watch YouTube clips. Like he was able to hit people. He has still, I believe he's tied for the record for most interceptions in a game with four. Him and Delta O'Neal when he was with Cincinnati. I think it was with Cincinnati. He's tied for the most interceptions in a game with four still. I believe that's still the record. So that was kind of your big, you know eye-opening thing like meeting him like you said you don't really get starstruck much but in that moment you were like holy crap like this is real like I'm really standing here right now I was gonna ask you to like my next question was gonna be you kind of being a sports fan growing up did you have any encounters with whether it was like an idol type player or a player in any regard that kind of was like oh my god this is so cool this is what I want to do with my life well, there was one, my dad got tickets to, when I was in eighth grade, we got to go to the NBA All-Star Game in Cleveland, and we got ticket, like, we stayed at the hotel that all the players were staying at, so I was in an elevator with Isaiah Thomas, old school Detroit Isaiah Thomas, um, I met Magic Johnson at his camp, I met Michael Jordan at his camp when I was younger, but no, like, radio is completely different, like, yeah. being a sports fan and knowing sports, I, I still don't know, every, like, I don't know even close to everything. But it's just, it's a transition from, oh, yeah, I can regurgitate uh, stats when I'm having an argument with a buddy reading off my phone to, I call it circular breathing, mm-hmm. where it's, or circular, um, circular thinking, where it's, you're constantly having to think about what you, what you want to say next while you're talking in just a sped up version of just a normal conversation you're having. Like, you have to have, like, you have a game plan for what shows are, mm-hmm. but... 40% of it you're not going to say because you're going to come up with other things to talk about. And also, you have to constantly talk. Like, con- like and there's breaths you can take and everything, and it's great. Like, we call them pregnant pauses. It's the best. It's for effect. People are like, what is he going to say next? But, yeah, man, it's completely different. Like, segueing from sports fan to sports radio is eons apart. And everyone expects you to be that expert since they are listening to you at the same time. But you just said, like, you don't know everything, but everybody expects you to know everything. Yeah, but also, yes, and it's also fundamental. Like, it's, if I make up a word, I don't, you just make fun of it. Like, it's, like, when you say that it becomes a job, it, it does, but mm-hmm. it's the best job in the world. Like, the, like the Cardinals pockets, like, Bo and I, once, in a, once a week, we'll just pinch each other and be like, not physically, we'll be like, this is awesome. This is great. Like, we got to talk about... People listen to what we're saying. Like, in the most infinitesimal way of looking at it, there are people that choose to take their time to share it with us for half an hour a day. 
and interact with us on Twitter. Like, it sounds like an after-school special way to put it, but it's true. Like, without people wanting to listen about the Cardinals and choosing us from all the other outlets around there, I don't know what's better than that. No. I mean, you're able to tell that story from, like, a different perspective at the same time because sports, like, no matter what anybody says, there's, like, this romantic aspect to it. I don't know if that's the cheesy word, the right word to use. Get cheesy with it, man. Who cares? It's literally, I'll give you an example. Like, one of my early on experiences, I went to a game at Fenway Park when I was eight, nine years old. Red Sox A's down the left field line by the Green Monster. During batting practice, the pitchers are just having a toss. Dallas Braden, who now works with Barstool Sports Mm -hmm. and the Oakland A's now, was uh, starting that game, and he was out there warming up beforehand. And I was, like, the only kid with my glove kind of just looking for autographs because at eight, nine years old, that's what I was very good at, getting autographs. He was having a catch with, like, Brad Zeeler. I forget who the uh, reliever was. may have been him. But he was um, coming in, and I'm like, hey, man, can I have the ball or whatever? I'm like, ball, ball, ball. And he tossed it to me five times because I dropped it the first four times like a total spaz. He's like, all right, let's try it one more time. (laughs) And he finally signs the ball and gives it to me. And I was fortunate enough to have Dallas on this show in the fall. Oh, that's awesome. And whether he was being nice or not, you know, he probably was. But he was just like, you were that spaz who literally dropped the ball four times? Like, I insanely remember that, you know, being, you know, being a nine-year-old kid and hearing that. 12, 13 years later from a guy that you finally get a chance to meet all this time later. Like, it's just an awesome experience, like an out-of-body experience that you're able to have that you wouldn't be able to do in a cubicle or in finance or in accounting, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting you say that. Like, that's, it's funny how people are nicer than you think. Yeah. Like, especially, you know, athletes and stuff, people that we come into contact, that's an incredible story. Like, I'm sure he remembered. I mean, at nine years old, you should have caught it on the third try. Right? At least. Like, you get, you get two mulligans, and then, come on, sack up. I mean, you got, you got your... Anyways. Jockey was, didn't go to the next kid. <laughs> there's, so there's this guy named Mike Bresnahan. Um, he wrote for the LA Times. He was a Laker columnist for the LA Times forever. Now he's with Spectrum, Spectrum Net or something. It's the TV broadcast around the Lakers. Okay? He, he covered me in high school. He wrote for the Valley section of LA Times before he went to the Lakers. And... I remember trying to reach out to him uh, when I was getting to this business. I had lived here. I needed some advice. Just g- give me a way to, to get in, to meet the right people, to get some advice, whatever. I, t- I messaged him on Facebook. We, become, we were friends on Facebook years ago. He never responds, never responds. I, get, I say it one more time. He responds to me. We end up having a conversation for two hours on Thanksgiving as he's driving up to see his dad in Santa Barbara just about the business. My mom is screaming at me. She goes, do you love your family? I'm like, not right now, okay? I love Mike Bresnahan more than you right now. Okay, give me 10 minutes. I said, give me 10 minutes, 10 times. And he gives me this invaluable insight. And as I fill in, I'm getting him on the show. So it's come full circle to where this guy's like, he covered me when I was 14 for the Valley section playing basketball in LA. He goes to the Lakers and then we become friends via this industry. And I end up having him on the show that I host. Like, it's just, it's a trip how it's just... It's all about relationships with this, with, this biz, with this industry. It really is. You meet people, don't be a jerk. Just introduce yourself. Never miss a meeting. Never miss. My, my dad said this incredible thing to me when I was in college as I was failing classes my freshman year because I was partying too much. He said, there will always be another party. Always. Do your stuff. There will always be another. And I, and I kind of take that with me now where it's, do I really want to take a nap now or do I want the opportunity to go meet some people? I don't know who it's going to be. Like, networking is a real thing. 
That's how I got the David Lock, the Locked On Cardinals. I applied for an internship in Salt Lake City to be David Locke's stat guy. Who's the, he's a play-by-play guy for the Jazz. And he started Locked On Podcast Network in 2017 or 2016. And he's like, you don't want this job. Your resume's too good. But I need a host for the Cardinals podcast on this podcast network I'm starting. I'm like, why is it? He goes, nobody wants to do it. I'm like, okay, you I'll do, do it. it. And I was getting 20 listens a podcast for the first year. And I just did it. And I did it. And I did it. And now it's grown to what it is now. I mean, it's not as big as we want it to be, Bo and myself, but it's crazy what all you, if you can network, amazing things happen. And it's amazing how nice people are in this industry. Like, like you were saying, like, all you got to do is ask, show up on time, do your job. Just be yourself, really. Like, be a nice person. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. Yeah. And people are going to help you out. Like, I, again, grew up a big Yankee fan. Yes Network, MLB winter meetings every year. They're always just there in the, in the lobby hanging out. They all have, like, their TV setups and everything. And afterwards, you go in, you introduce yourself. Jack Curry's been one for me, who's literally helped me out over the past few years when it just comes to, you know, checking out my reels, coming on my show whenever. Like, I grew up listening to that guy and watching that guy since I was 10 years old. That's awesome. And he's, you know, literally been one of the more vital people um, in my journey thus far when it comes to, you know, sports broadcasting or podcasting. And that's literally just all it took was one email. One email, they're like, yeah, sure, kid. And then you just run with it. So that, that, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Like when you look at wanting to work in sports early on, just for what you see on TV or what you hear, what you're inspired by, and take that and take that into the experiences that you're able to have, it's like a totally different door, a totally different perspective that you have once you're actually in it because that's what keeps the passion burning. That's what sets your soul on fire because if you don't have those stories, you don't have you know those things to remember and learn from, you're going to get burnt out pretty quickly. Yeah, and my favorite one, I'll bring this home a little bit, Dave Pratt, if you're listening at some point, tell Ray Arteague to respond to emails before 20 are sent because that's how Ray Arteague is one of the best in Arizona. He's he worked with the Suns forever. He knows everybody in radio. He's one of the most tuned in person. He has consulting companies. Like he's he's been my number one mentor here. And he's not a huge name, but Google him. Okay, mm-hmm. he's a big deal. And him and Dave Pratt are friends. Um, I served his family at a restaurant I used to work at years ago. Okay. I told him I was in radio. I didn't know who he was. I, I was making his wife laugh with crude jokes. Like not crude, like I'm a gentleman. But I think I swore once, and she started laughing. She's like, so what do you do? And I said, I work in radio. And he opened up his stance. He's like, so what do you do? I'm like, do you mind if I email you my reel after he told me who he was? I'm like, sure. So I emailed him 20 times without a response. And I finally got a response. We sat down and had coffee years ago, and he's been in my corner ever since. Like, it's truly no shame. You have to have zero shame. Like, you're lucky. I, 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 like... I should have taught you a lesson, just not responded for the first five emails. Just for like 20% of what I had to do I would have early. been persistent just you telling would. you right I now. I know you would have. That's why I said that. Uh, I never would have done that, though. Um, but right, 20 emails until they email me back. And I'm like, can he file a restraining order? Like, is that possible with emails? If I've only met him once. I made him laugh. Yeah. Uh, and he's been in my corner. He's helped me ever since. He's got me in touch with people to, for information, interviews, and everything like that. I mean, it truly is. And I, listen, I was a dick like early on. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know how to build relationships. Like, I was like, I want this. Give it to me. Is, that, is it that easy? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, you're right. There's like a velvet rope. Once you get it and you're across that velvet rope, you're not guaranteed to make a boatload of money. You're not guaranteed any sort of job whatsoever. But if you can continue to move forward, it's better than not doing anything. You know, and that's people that are doing more than nothing 
tend to get just way further and into way bigger circles than they thought they would ever get. Give people a reason to hire you. Give yeah. people a reason to give you a position that you want, you know, like take what you want. Don't give a people sense. a reason to say no. Exactly. Like, and to your point of, you know, emailing constantly, being persistent. Like there were a few guys that I emailed and I didn't hear back from for like four months. Like, oh, sorry, man, I was a dipshit. When do you want to do this if you're still interested? I'm like, yeah, I'm still interested. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do like, this for my health. There's some people that are like, oh, it went straight to my spam folder, man. Sorry. Like, some people, you know, have a ton of emails coming in. They just don't see it. Right. Just keep being persistent. And once they tell you to F off, then it's like, okay, at least I got that. Yep. I'd rather have someone tell me to just, you know, get away, F off, than just ignore me. Like, if you're going to ignore me, I'm just going to come back every week. Yeah. Totally. I'm just going to come back. So, uh, you know, being having these experiences, you know, both good, bad, ugly, indifferent, what have you learned to kind of like, again, balance that personal life? Because that's like the biggest thing. Like you can get carried away in this business, no matter how passionate you are about it. You know, you're, you also got to be a family man. You got to be a, a son, a brother, a husband, whatever, you know, like whatever your current situation is, how are you able to balance everything while maintaining that passion? About the best. Not the best at balancing. Like, I mean, I, you know, I date never. Like, I'm a normal person. Yeah. Like, I've had girlfriends and stuff, but like, it's a lot of times it's just, I'd rather just build content for the show or just go into this death spiral on Twitter of just con just new content to, to talk about, to engage in. Like, it's, it's tough to balance sometimes. Like, there's, you have to balance between being too driven, as you mentioned, because it's unhealthy. Like, if the, you're just doing one thing. And I haven't, I luckily haven't um, passed that threshold, but. Yeah, it's important. It's important to not listen to sports radio all the time. Because for a couple of reasons. I can't remember who it was. I remember here, it was either Al Michaels or Bob Costas. We're on Dan Patrick years ago, and I remember this. A lot of people say that are in the industry, don't listen to other people's sports radio shows because it'll jade you. Either you'll try and take some traits that work from other people and you, you lose yourself, or you pick up bad habits that other people have that get overlooked because they have such exactly. a wide audience, and that will taint your pool. So I don't necessarily adhere to that. Um, I, like, I like listening for just for content. Just like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. It's like if you're a Republican, excuse me, you watch CNN. If you're, if you're a Democrat, you watch Fox News. Just to get smart people watch both sides, just to see the other person's side right. instead of being just completely, again, jaded. Like, you know what? My Facebook filter, that's what I'm going to read, and that's going to be it. Think outside of that a little bit. And obviously right. not politically wise with sports, but that's why Twitter's so important. Ask people questions that don't agree with you. Don't say, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Why not? Why do you think this? So with the personal life thing, yeah, it's, imp it's imperative to balance. Um, but it's the, the definition of balance is different when it comes to being driven until you get to where you want to go. I mean, I, t I totally agree. I mean, there's so many people, especially, you know, over the past year you've seen, like, I listen to CNN news. I listen to Fox news because that's the real news, you know? Like, if you take – if you're able to – take bits and pieces from everybody else and not only like mold yourself but you're able to expand your mind a little bit because i think everybody can learn something from everybody like you're an idiot if you think you know it all yeah. you're an idiot if you don't think you can learn something from every individual whether you're donald trump whether you're dave pratt or whether you're a homeless guy on the street you know i i'm a big believer and you can learn something from everybody on any given day for sure so with that being said, you know, what were some of you, you talked about some of the struggles early on, you know, going through some tests and learning, but what were some of the, you know, 
being, you know, more of a veteran now in a sense, like have you seen people who have come up through the industry younger than you have to run through those same tests? Have you kind of been like a chip on someone's shoulder to be like, hey, this is what you got to do. And, you know, you got to be your own person. But at the same time, this is the way it's done around. Yeah, here. I've had people ask me like the, the radio. Like, I've had, yes, I've had people ask me that are younger coming up. Like some people get gigs at 25, you know, and just have the right sound, have the right thought process and get jobs. You know, it's great. It's, it's a lot of it is about how you sound and your cadence on air. Um, the radio industry's shifted a little bit, especially with the pandemic. It's it's just kind of thrown everything kind of into a tailspin, where ad revenues down because people aren't people weren't going to restaurants for a year. So all the all the radio all the radio spots about restaurants those go away. You know, like um, I don't know, plum, like it, it, it's people forget that commercials buy the time for the person to talk in the most bare bones sense. So if the commercials, if people aren't buying commercial time, you don't have airtime. Unless obviously you're, you're paid to play where you have the money, you have the funds, you know, privately where you can where you can do that. It's shifted so much that people have different problems now. Not new problems, just different ones. Like the podcast platform is becoming, you know, increasingly it's not overshadowing radio to the nth degree, but it's not not on a path to overshadow terrestrial radio where you can listen on your phone from anywhere. You can go on, you can listen to it at one and a half times the speed podcast. I didn't know that was a thing. That's a young whippersnapper thing. Yep. That's, I, I tried it. Like, I don't, how is that possible? It's like Speedy Gonzalez on, on, on radio. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, the voice, male, female, it always sounds fast to me. Um, but it's how you engage in more content, throw it more in the database of your brain. Uh, platforms, with podcasts, people have different problems because you have to be unique. You have to find a niche, but have your niche not be too small. And if it's sports, it's like, how do you do it? People that want to do it continue to try, continue to find new ways for revenue to make money. Like, that was the biggest thing for me. I still haven't gone full-time making money through radio. I've worked at restaurants for 15 ever since I was here. 2010, I started working at restaurants to be able to facilitate my radio stuff. So a common misconception is that people on radio make money. That ain't the case unless you're the top 1%. Unless you're Michael K or guys like Howard Stern. Don't look at what Howard Stern makes. Like Howard Stern revolutionized the shock jock, uh, you know, uh, complete whole platform. And Cowherd and, and Clay, uh, Clay Travis, all these guys are, they got in at the right time and they're exemplary at their craft. It's both. You know, so it's, if you want to be in radio... You have to understand, you have to be okay with not making, a, you know, top-tier money. And that's in that, for most people that are in it, that's fine. I'm fine. Like, I, I sealed my fate a long time ago. Yeah. I got my mom five years ago on board. I'm like, I'm going to be destitute for a while. Like, I'm fine. I'm, I mean, I'm not, you know, below the poverty line, but I have to work 70 hours a week to, be what I'm, to do what I'm doing right now. I'm like, just be okay with that. And just, please... I'm going to work at a restaurant and I'm going to be on the radio. Just trust me. Yep. And it took a long time, um, but she's finally on board and, you know, it took forever. Now I'm, my hairline's receding at this point, so <laughs> she, she didn't get on early enough. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So the struggles, to your original question, seeing people come up now, it's like digital and analog. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I had problems. And I trust me, I, was, I had an iPhone. Like, I'm not in with dial-up internet when I got in the radio business. It was 2010 or 2011. But with podcasts just overshadowing a lot of things like like they weren't 
a long time ago and the pandemic streamlining the process expediting the process people just have different problems now and that's i mean the that's the best way i can say it i mean they're interchangeable with advice giving but the avenues by which you get to where you want to go have changed you know superfluously since since i started my plight do you think that there's been any like attitude problems? Because in this day and age, you're you're looking at kids coming through the ranks that are insanely intelligent mm -hmm. or insanely stupid, <laughs> you know, like, and they are almost a 100 million dollar um, publicly traded business now. Dave Portnoy turning Barstool yeah, Sports into what it is. Yeah. There's so many kids my age and younger that are looking at those personalities and being like, I want to be like them. But most of those guys' characters, like, they're good guys. I've met some of them. They're great guys, but their characters that they play on screen are assholes. Yeah. And that's what they see, and that's what they're inspired by. So when they go into radio, like you were saying, like, they're not the same problems you had, but, like, they're coming into this and wanting to be the most brash, ronky dude in the business, and you're just thinking, like, what are you doing? Well, interesting you say that, and I, I'm going to cut you off on purpose. So Dan Lebitard. Right, ESPN. Yes, yeah. Okay, so what Dan Lebitard did was he went to a mainstream media outlet, ESPN, which was the most buttoned-up, tight-knit, no political views, no nothing. You, you do the news, you do a radio show that we agree on, why Colin Coward left, why everybody's leaving. And Dan Lebitard said, no, I'm going to do a funny show that's borderline insensitive, not, not like politically or racially or gender-wise or anything, but borderline dropping F-bombs everywhere. Um, we're going to do Variety. We're going to have a wild animal expert on once a week. We're going to do this, and you're going to see our numbers. And rating executives can't mess with numbers. And he blew this up. And I was on a show, uh, Kenny and Crash, The Freaks with Kenny and Crash on Fox Sports Science, and for a couple of years. And what I ex explained to people, like, we were the daily show of sports shows, where you're going to get sports, but you're also going to get some cringy moments. You're going to get borderline F-bombs dropped, and you're going to laugh your face off. And that's the future, in my opinion. So oh, yeah. when you bring up the Barstool thing, Barstool went this way. Like, Barstool is its own entity. It's not a daily four-hour sports, stats and bats is what people call it, show. Like, but finding that perfect middle ground, I love it. I love talking crap just about, I don't know, I, I went on a rant once about cereal. Like, it's, it doesn't have to always be about sports. You can be an a-hole, sugar-coatedly, and make it work and still have it be a sports show. It doesn't just have to be Barstool or just have to be a boring librarian-led sports show. Oh, yeah. Which is the beauty of this time. And, Dan, uh, you know, Dan Levitard was, he trailblazed it. And he won't get credit. He won't get credit. But people in sports, you could see that he trailblazed it. It's not for a lot of people. But for the people it's for is more than for the people it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I see from that perspective, like, the Dan Lebetards and the Howard Stearns, like, they could get wonky, but at the same time, I feel like they keep a lid on it. Some of these Barstool shows, like yeah. uh, Big Cat and PFT Commenter, I think, mm -hmm. it? was that part of my take? Mm -hmm. That show, like, those guys can go off the rails sometimes to the point where it's like, I don't think the guest is like, like, you guys have a big platform and they're not going to walk away, but, like, that's something that someone would just get up and walk away from your show from, you but know? But they found a niche and they're just exploiting it. And, that, and that's the thing. You're right. Like, those guys probably aren't like that off camera. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a character. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure it's fun to play, but it's like, I, I just see it as they found a niche at a perfect time. And that's not negating what they've done. I mean, obviously, what they've done is incredible, you know, and how Portnoy is kind of polarizing, but he's become this great philanthropic charitable guy, donated a bunch of money, does his pizza reviews. Like, he's got things that are um, 
relatable. But still, like as a sports entity, I'm like people don't go there for sports information. They go there to be entertained, and it happens to be about sports. So it's it's just it's just a different animal. But yeah, I mean it's just there's room for everything if you can find a way to get there, find an audience, and find a way to make it profitable. The other guys, what was his name? John Boy, Jimmy O'Brien with John Boy Media. Those guys just Jersey Shore Yankee fans. For whatever reason, people levitated toward all of his reels, all of his game updates, all of his game recaps, and he was able to turn that into a mainstream thing. Now he's going on sports radio shows. He has his own platform. They just put a giant billboard right in front of Yankee Stadium with their faces on it. They're just two normal dudes who are able to make their own thing. They didn't go to Barstool Sports. They didn't go to Fox. They didn't go to Yes. They were able to build their own brand. And it's just two dudes who probably didn't even think that that was going to happen, and it just turned out that way because people levitated towards that. Yeah, and the the godfather of all of it was Bill Simmons. Yeah. So Bill Simmons was, he was a fan. He started the BS Report, which was a podcast for anybody new. That was like 2005, 2002, even before that. He started the BS Report. He got picked up by ESPN. He started Grantland, which was a huge writing success. And then the ringers blown the roof off with podcast. Like, he, I didn't know that he was just a fan. I thought that he was higher. And then I was like, Whoa, I read his backstory. This was, I mean, 10 years ago, I read it. It's like, he's living the dream. He's, he's a Boston fan, started yeah. a podcast, got picked up by ESPN, and then he's done everything ever since. Like, it's, so it's there, but what I, what I implore to people is, and this is so stupid, it's going to sound so dumb. Like, it's, it's not live your journey. Do, keep blinders on for what you want to do, and don't look at, like, yeah, it'd be great. Like, you can idolize people, but they're the top 0.1 percenters. Chances of that happening are slim. Just is in this business. It's like being a rock star, being a movie star. You know, it's just, but that doesn't mean you can't put out a good product, make money, and be happy with what you're doing. Like, both can be true. Both usually are true. Yep. I mean, you have to be authentic. You have to be yourself again because there's so many. Like, in today's day and age, you rarely see anything that's new and original. Everybody's trying to be the next Howard Stern. Everybody's trying to be the next, you know, Portnoy with Barstool Sports. There are rarely any original movies that come out in today's day and age. Everything you could see, oh, that was inspired by this. That was inspired by that. Right. Like, everything, everybody's just taking bits and pieces of other things, and nobody's really original. So how do you think, you know, we come back to that in a society that I feel like has kind of lost touch with that creative sense to want to be different. You know, not everybody, but for the large majority. Well, I mean, there's so many different um, outlets like YouTube or digital. Like you said, digital uh, video, digital media, whatever you minored yeah. in. Um, streaming stuff, like there are so many different options and so many different avenues to get places. Like you find more originality with YouTube clips than you do with sports. Because, I mean, there's only so much information you can go off. Like, there's only so many games. There's only so many ways to look at it. Like, with sports, you have to be able to infuse it with something. Like, it's the it's the extra that you're infusing into the sports conversation that makes you unique. And that's where the originality comes from. You know, like with movies, yeah. I mean, there's only so many scripts you can write. There's only so many original screenplays that can be written. I'm sure, obviously, there's still geniuses in that, in that realm that no do doubt, it on, no doubt, on, a, yeah. on a daily basis. But, like... It's diversifying, like with Bo and me on Locked on Cardinals. Like we now, we never used to stream it. We never just we do it, we post it. People would listen, they'd love it. I had a buddy come in that that hosts a show on the news station over at iHeart, and he's like, "Why the hell aren't you guys doing video?" I'm like, "I don't know. Like, I have to buy a webcam, and I I don't have like 
like I, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on a webcam and I don't want to link up with Bo and do it via webcam. Like he's like, you're stupid. The hell's wrong with you? I'm like, nice to see you too, sir. He goes, no, you're being an idiot. Go buy a webcam and start it tomorrow. Two months later, Bo and I started and our, and our numbers go up. We get more interaction on Twitter. We do it on YouTube. We do it on Facebook. And it seems like such a easy thing to do. But just once you get over that level, it's just like, man, why weren't we doing this the whole time? So the originality wise is because there's so many different ways to put your product out there, whether you do a sports podcast or a movie podcast, or you want to get in digital media, or you want to get into just YouTube clips, regardless of how flooded the YouTube market is with people who have millions and millions of subscribers, there's still ways to make original content because nobody's you. You know? That's right. And you just have to be able, like, if I were to give a, like a, a checklist on how to be original and how to get people coming back, number one is consistency. I don't care if you have zero views for the first month. Keep making videos. Keep, keep, keep marketing yourself on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. It's going to take forever. Unless you're a double rainbow guy or you're a chocolate rain or, or you know, whatever, all of those, those um, YouTube videos that went viral. Like, I, I had a, uh, one of my good girlfriends, Lisa Schwartz, I grew up with her. Leasebug on YouTube has 2 million subscribers because she just makes dumb, she makes videos that makes people laugh. Yep. She does it all the time. Shane, she dated Shane Dawson forever. Shane Dawson is a, is a you know, he, before, like, he's this huge guy, you know, 10 million uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter followers and all this stuff. Like, all they were were consistent. They get a small fan base, and they just build upon it. And that's how you make yourself unique is consistency and be yourself. And if people like yourself and what you're working on, they'll come back. I, I think COVID especially kind of separated the people that did this as a hobby and people who actually want to pursue this, whether, drive, yeah. whether they want to monetize or whether it's they have an extreme passion for doing it. Because with Zoom, like a year ago, I didn't know how to use Zoom. Yeah. Now Zoom the is the reason why you know the show's grown really because it, you're able to get that personal touch with people on camera. There's some people who don't even buy you know expensive mics. They have like this twenty dollar mic, and you just basically hear room audio. Yeah. And it's just not a good show. Like you actually have to put in the effort, put in the work, put in the money sometimes to actually make your dream come true. And that's what's going to get people's attention. That and obviously putting on a show and being your authentic self and being able to get points across that, you know, inspire and match with people in a way that they don't really match with anybody else. So how do you, you know, at this point, you and Bo get to that point with the Locked On Cardinals podcast, because I feel like that's a little different, because you're specifically talking about, you know, Cardinal football, and you're you're talking to one fan base that wants to hear things a certain way, I feel like. Yeah. Um, we don't... Let me, how do I put this correctly? We don't talk about things so people like us. We put out a product that we hope people like. No, you see, oh, I, I, the totally, difference? Yeah, yeah. I totally so, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of outlets, not just in this market, but elsewhere, that have way bigger fan bases because they just cater to what people want to hear. They're, the bar stool shock jock, it's the opposite of that, where it's mm. like the blank team's the best. Everything's going to be good. They're going to go 16 and 0, 17 and 0 this year, and everything's going to be Danny is, yeah. and Willy Wonka, and it's going to be awesome. F that. That's not why I got into this business. I got in this business so I could speak my truth, you know. And Bo and I are so different. Like we're we're great friends. We're very close. 
but he says some stupid shit sometimes. And I have to tell him that he says stupid stuff sometimes. I'm sorry if I swear. Like I, um, Do whatever you want. Okay. So We'll find out when we can't say yeah. something. And Bo thinks I'm a lunatic. Bo thinks I'm an absolute lunatic a lot of times when I say things. And I have to tell him that he's too close-minded and he has to think things my way. And that's how you build... Like, we're completely honest with people. Yeah. And I sound like a dumbass sometimes if what I say doesn't come to fruition, but I sound like a genius when it does. That's like any... But if you're going to have your margin be so broad that anything you say people like, go watch Mary Poppins. Like, I don't have time for that. I don't want people to expect that. And Bo and I are very truthful. We've been calling for Steve Combs' job for five years. Four. The Cliff Kingsbury hires a maniacal move by a very desperate man to keep his job. And Steve Kime, like, uh, oh man, what's his name? Bill Self, who's the head coach of Kansas basketball, got a lifetime, got a lifetime contract from Kansas, even though he's under federal investigation by the FBI. Some things just don't make sense. I feel like Steve Kime has the same thing. He's a very nice person. He's bad at his job. Yep. And there's, and like, when I, these aren't personal attacks of people at all. I called it a Hail Mary when they drafted Kyler Murray number one, number one overall. He doesn't care about the future of this team. If a 5'10 quarterback doesn't work out, he gets fired. Not his problem anymore. And that's where we're at now. So that's, where, that's what Bo and I do. We put out a product that's honest. And we get a, a lot of crap for it. I've never agreed with anything you say. Thank you for continuing to listen then. It's the Howard Stern thing. People listen more that don't agree with him because they want to hear what he has to say next. Have you watched Private Parts? You're a young kid. Have you seen Private Parts? Oh, yeah. Big Howard Stern guy. Big Howard Stern guy. Okay. I had to watch everything. Not trying to big league you. That's good. That's one of the best. And I, I rewatch it once every Just be like, how did this guy get to where he is? Um, he wouldn't now. Yeah. He, like, he wouldn't now. But he's, he's changed. He's evolved. He, well, he's been grandfathered in. Like, it's, it's a beautiful thing. The timing was incredible because everybody needs Howard Stern in some capacity. Doing things that cater to an audience... In some capacity, you need to do that because you want to talk about what people have to say. Uh, you, you want to talk about what people want to hear sports-wise. Like, you're not going to talk about, you know, bowling for four hours if it's, a, if it's a radio show. But if it's a centralized podcast on a specific team, you need to throw the rule book out, in my opinion. You give your stats. You give your, yeah, but this could change. But you, you shouldn't have a problem hammering home negative things if that's what the, the stories are. And again, Bo and I, I'm not speaking for Bo also. Him and I, we go back and forth. Again, we go back and forth a lot about this. But if it's out there, you need to talk about it and not be scared to talk about it. Just because your fan base might get pissed off. Yeah, everybody's going to be disgruntled about some things. Because, like, with Barstool Sports, there's so many people that love it. Like, I, my first instinct was, like, these guys are jerks. You know, like, they're, yeah, like, oh, my team's the best. Who's going to beat us? And then they shit on them when one thing goes wrong. Right. You know, but with you guys, you're real. You know, again, going back to that authenticity, like, Good, bad, and ugly. Like, we're going to tell you how we feel about what's going on right now. You also have to, you know, have relationships with players at the same time. How Do, do they have thick skin about it? Or they, do they have thin uh, skin well, about it? Well, in some capacity, we do. Like, the Cardinals' flagship station is 98.7. Yeah. So they get the majority of the um, – they have a partnership with the Arizona Cardinals to get Steve Keim on, to get players on. 98 uh, – Fox Sports 19 doesn't have that same access. Um, with the Lockdown Cardinals, we're still, like, we're not tied to a local entity. So I've interviewed players through, via, like, charity events. Like, we've interviewed Larry Fitzgerald 
handful of times. Yeah. He's as advertised. Sweetest man alive. It's right here. He looks you straight in the eye. He remembered my name once. Like, and I'm not, like, I've never hosted a show by myself here. I've always been a co-host or co-host slash producer. Very, he's genuine. And he's charitable. Like, it's incredible. Um, Buddha Baker and Chase Edmonds, two of the sweetest kids. Because they're kids. Like, they're men. But they're 22. And I'm 37. Exactly. That one of the best interviews ever was getting them on Fun Story quickly. Um, we had Chase Edmonds and Buda Baker on. This was two years ago at Larry Fitzgerald's charity event at Dominic's Steakhouse for the first down fund. We asked them about Andy Isabella and what Andy Isabella was like. They both look at each other and laugh. And Andy Isabella at the time didn't have a couch, didn't have a, uh, a bed stand, didn't have a frame. He had a mattress, a chair, and a TV. He didn't have a cell phone. He drove his old car when he was, when he was, from when he was in college. They're like, he just likes to read. He's an interesting, quiet cat who just likes to. I'm like, that's, in, that's so cool because, like, you're right. So to answer your question, these aren't personal attacks at all. It's you look at, and this is part of the game. It's like we're on different sides of, it's a different velvet rope. Like, we're on different sides of the coin here where they're playing. They don't care what we have to say. Like, you would think, like, We've never, I played basketball through high school and intramural, but I never played football. I had two interceptions in a seventh grade flag football game. That was the peak of my football existence. I had one interception. That's it. Yeah, so you're not even at my yeah. level, bro. No. Uh, it, I sucked. So it's an interesting relationship. As long as there's respect there, there's respect there. Like this isn't ever, dis like with Patrick Peterson, when he cheated and he took the PEDs, it's like, Dude, you cheated. Mm -hmm. I'm not making things up like, you know, I'm not making figments up like, this is the news. This is what happened. You got suspended. You put your team on an island. You're a bad teammate. I'm going to talk about it. I'm not talking about you because he's one of the most charitable people in Arizona history from a sports perspective. But it's like, I, I talk about Larry Fitzgerald. Is he being selfish because he hasn't told the team yet? I bring up the conversation. Like, I'm not saying yes. How dare you? But it's like, it's a conversation that needs to be broached. And a lot of people won't touch it because it's Larry Fitzgerald. And I get it. Like, I'm not this all mythical creature that talks about things that other people won't talk about. People talk about it, but it's, it's how you frame a conversation. Like, Bo, has Larry Fitzgerald been selfish? Or does it not matter enough because he's not going to be a top three receiver for the team? Or does the leadership matter and they need to bring him back? But is he being selfish because he hasn't told anybody yet? Like, those are conversations. You have to be gentle with... Interviews like it's not mm -hmm. like they're not they're human beings. Yeah, just they wear a helmet doesn't mean they're drones Droids, I always mix that up <laughs> droids, you know right. um, But it's a good question because it's it's a very You have to be respectful. You can be a shock jockey as you want, but you personal attacks are out of bounds So when you're talking about all this stuff because obviously with locked on you probably have a ton more freedom But like let's say there's someone on Fox Sports. There's someone on ESPN Like have you seen instances where producers and directors are like all right Let's stay away from this subject or like sure. touch on it, but be gentle about sure it. there's like There's just some things you don't talk about like if somebody's going through some sort of Dispute off the field and I'm, I don't know like it not necessarily domestic it could be financial it could be they're part of a Ponzi like who knows there are just some things you don't touch because it's unnecessary because it's not on the field. Now, the Deshaun Watson thing, it's ingrained in the conversation about his NFL future. But it's when it's speculative like that, you just need to be careful on saying, you know what, he did it. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Oh, he's innocent. How do you know? Yep. Don't be stupid. Now, there, yeah, and there are certain times where you can err closer to the middle 
which is where a lot of people play safe, there are certain times to play safe. It's not when your team loses by two touchdowns. Oh, we'll get them next time, guys. No, it's but you do play safe. Being it like be smart about it. With that, it, it's it's very smart, and you learn. And that's where it comes with the intellect and stupid people. Stupid people. A lot of stupid people make great radio hosts because you know they are great at one thing, and they can they can infuse either whether music or sports or whatever. I don't know any dumb people. I'm sure there are. Or you have the intellectual people that can't really see outside of, I need to make this fan base happy, and I can't piss anybody off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's – it's it's nuanced to the nth degree, and it sounds like a cop-out, but it's like, just don't attack people. Like Tyreek Hill, perfect example. Tyreek Hill punches pregnant girlfriend in the stomach in college. Okay, Tyreek Hill then was under investigation for breaking his son's arm, who was in his pregnant girlfriend's stomach in college. So when they were doing wellness checks, I think this was in March of last year, I believe, or two years ago, I can't remember. It's like, obviously, you want to say, well, it's obviously Tyreek Hill that did this because there was the report that he did it in college. I think Tyreek Hill is a terrible person, if that's true. But I also think he's a great football player. So you have to find that common ground of not prefacing everything by saying, if he wasn't a terrible person, this would be awesome. He scores three touchdowns on my fantasy football team. Like, there's severe nuance for very important things like that. But taking those things aside, if it's like, you know, uh, Patrick Peterson got burned for 150 yards and two touchdowns, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. That's his, that's his business self. That's not his personal self. Right. So that's the, that's the differentiation between the two. Right, because if you're talking about their personal stuff like that, regardless of what your opinion is, like, you're not only talking about them. You're talking about, you know, that wife, that, yeah, that their girlfriend, family. their that's just not It's out-of-bounds stuff. And not a lot of not pe- people don't necessarily always see that, even though it seems so obvious. I mean, if you, you need to understand that, not you, people need to understand that these are human beings. They're human beings. They're men. They're women. That yeah, play a game, play a sport to support their family, but they're still humans. And that's something that's constantly lost. The death threats that people get on Twitter after somebody misses a three-point shot, or there's a guy that misses a tackle, like the dude that the Minneapolis Miracle. Right. The fun yeah. that I believe, I think it was him. I mean, I couldn't imagine the Twitter stuff that he was a rookie that he got on Twitter after that. People losing bets with, with sports betting, getting so people betting a million dollars on the Saints to win. You lose a million dollars. Obviously, you're going to blame that one person irrationally, even though that's not even close to what the grand scheme of the game you know, was. Like, it's just people are insane. And hopefully the people that get into this business don't have any sort of streak of that in them. And I don't think they do, but it's just, it's a broad spectrum of how people react to sports. That would be very interesting, like in our line of work, in our field for something like that happen. Because like athletes, they're making stupid money. Every now and then someone makes a big stupid decision. You know, like you mentioned Tyreek Hill. Um, who was the... Uh, Joe Mixon punched a woman in college when he was at Oklahoma and there was video of it. Right. Who was the Ravens running back? Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis. Um... I mean, Alex Rodriguez, his whole steroid scandal, that's a different thing. Yeah. Dare I say O.J. Simpson. Yeah. You know, that was its its own entity and its own self, you know, because they used different angles. It yeah. really wasn't just about that, you know. There, there were other stuff going on. But it would be very weird to see someone like in our industry, again, like crazy about not only sports but about anything else that they're talking about, do something like that. Because I don't know how you talk about that. Well, there are people like, yeah. I mean, again, hammering home like – 
you are talking on a light. Like if you're going to get into sports radio, you are talking on a live microphone. People listen to what you say and what you say has consequences. If you're not like, so it's when I say the whole shot, like when, when, with Bo and me, like we're not saying outlandish freakish things. It's just like, Hey, if the Cardinals play bad, you say they play bad. If you think that there's different ways to do things, there's different ways to do things. Like there's a huge difference between that and attacking somebody. And I don't think people, but like, that's something you just need to avoid. You need to be cognizant of if you're going down a path, like we're like, Ooh, this sounds like it's starting to get personal. As I'm thinking about right. what I'm saying, you stop, you stop. You know, like going back to what you're saying about, you know, producers setting up like somebody calling and saying, hey, I have this person on the phone. Let's not talk about these things. You know, that happens. No problem. Don't talk about those things. If you ever want to get a guest again, if you ever want people to trust you, you follow those rules. It's a job. You know, and it, the whole thing like, yeah, there's outliers with that people that you know, are accused of doing bad things like Greg Hardy. There's people that have done terrible things that have played football, like settled out of court or otherwise. There's evidence, and it's just like uh, it's a negative thing to talk about, so maybe not go down that path, but it's happened. Right. You talk about it, and, and you move on. You try not to infuse it into sports conversations because when it comes down to it, regardless of what Dan Lebitard does, like the, the fun aspect that he's infused into his show, you know, with just different segments and everything that has people crying and laughing. Like there's a point where you just, you just don't talk about other things. You know, you just don't go down that path any more than, okay, it's the news, but it's also a sports show. So finding the perfect balance is that's where the real one percenters eat. Like, I mean, that, that's where they make, that's where they make it all. That's where they get the following. I mean, that's where all the, again, it's like personal touchy stuff that people are going to listen to, whether it's the stuff that they want to hear or stuff that they don't want to hear. And that's, again, like you said, that's what's going to draw their attention. That's what's going to draw the money. Uh, other big stuff, though, because, again, you guys were talking about it this morning to kind of shift gears into yeah. something a little bit more positive. Sure. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, with all these moves, were, did you think he was coming back or was that Bo? I don't know, man. You guys are, like, optimistic about it. I would Listen, when it comes down to Fitz... He's got some of the best hands in the NFL still. Yeah. He's important to this organization. At what price point? Right. That's really that's really it. Like and and to answer the question that I asked before, I don't think he's being selfish. I just asked the question. Um is there a point where he could be? I don't I don't think so. Um He's important to the organization. There's obviously a shift happening. There's a culture shift that's happening. J.J. Watt coming in, adding some stability, adding some leadership vocally that the that Arizona sports doesn't really have, hasn't really had. Paul Goldschmidt, quiet. Devin Booker, quiet. Steve Nash, kind of. But there hasn't really been that guy. And it, you don't necessarily need it. You know, you don't need a Ray Lewis rah-rah guy to come out of the locker room and pump everybody up. You know, Drew Brees with the hood out with, with the, the pregame um, pep talks that he has. But J.J. Watt's a guy that is beloved around the NFL, what he did for the, the hurricane in Houston has kind of solidified him as one of the one of the mainstays of great, you know, philanthropic guys in the NFL. And he's won. He's been in the playoffs before. Brian Chandler Jones, great leader. Okay. But you lose Patrick Peterson, say what you want about his leadership skills or not. Kyler Murray's a quiet leader. DeAndre Hopkins is a quiet leader. AJ Green's a quiet leader. Buda Baker's still he's gonna take over that role as in my opinion, as the pillar of the defense. I think he already has. Uh, he's one of the best guys. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL. He's, he's, he's a raw, raw guy. He's a missile. 
when he's tackling people. So he's kind yeah. of the guy that I think is going to be the leader on defense. But you can't have you can't have too much leadership. And Steve Kime said in the offseason, leadership and strength. That's what we're going after. That's why they drafted Zayvon Collins. That's why they signed J.J. Watt. So if Larry Fitzgerald coming back, he's kind of the last piece of the old era. Chandler Jones, too, a little bit, because he's been here for a handful of years now. Correct. But Larry Fitzgerald's the... He's he's the guy. He's, he's Arizona the sports. The franchise, yeah, yeah. And, and he will be in perpetuity unless unless Kyler Murray wins the Super Bowl. It'll be them too. Him coming back, I'm talking myself into more and more about it being paramount that he comes back, just because they're still in a very fragile state. the The analogy I use is the Arizona Cardinals are an elephant walking on ice, and you don't know how thick the ice is. That's where the Arizona Cardinals are as a franchise. You don't know if it's fragile. You don't know if it's stable. You don't know if they're going to win 12 games this year or five. You don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is going to get an extension with Steve Keimer. They're both going to be fired after this year. We have no idea. And having Larry Fitzgerald come back can't hurt if the price is right. And I, I don't think they're at the point now where they're going to pay him his $11 million uh, right. tag like he's got the last few years. He's paramount. And I, and I do think that he's good for still a couple of huge catches throughout the year if utilized correctly, again, some of the best hands in the game still. We saw the, the example I always go to is the, the, the first half, the end of the first half of the Philly game at home where they had to win. He had this ridiculous circus catch in the back of the end zone at the end of the first half. And it's like, how do you let that go? How do you let his hands, his hand-eye coordination, his demeanor, how do you let that go? And for everything he's meant to this organization, stability-wise, I don't know. I mean, I think this is the most enticing season coming up where he'd want to be like, oh, crap. I but is it enticing enough? Does he want to come back for a fun playoff run? Or does he only want to come back if they're Super Bowl bound? And I don't know if the, yeah. I don't think this team's Two Super Bowl completely bound. different things, exactly. too. Because his body, like, he's known as the hardest practicing guy, in, like, especially for his age. Like, he's still, if you ask all the reporters out there, they go to practice daily. He's still lying, at, laying out for catches, diving out for catches. Like, he's a practice guy. Does he want to put his body through that one more time? Like I, people are saying that they're writing it off. Like, well, he would have made his decision already. He's he hasn't made a decision past mid February, I believe. Either mid February or mid March on whether he's coming back or not. Over the last three seasons, in January of 2020 was when he made his decision that he was coming back. So that was almost immediately after the season ended. Yep. Now it's like. You know, the hundred, first 100 days of presidency? Right, right. We're the first 100 days of Larry Fitzgerald's decision-making. And it'll be interesting to see where he does, because I don't know. I don't know. But again, I do think that, and to your point, it's either, you know, two different entities. Are you coming back for a guaranteed Super Bowl run? And nothing's guaranteed, but, like, if you put the pieces in the right places, like, it, it could work out. Or are you just coming back for a fun playoff run? Because the team that they have structured right now, I think you said it best when it came to, you know, Kingsbury, like, th goes from a three-win season with Josh Rosen to an eight-win year with Kyler Murray and all these different pieces because it's a completely different team. Like, you don't give him credit for that. Right. It's a completely different team. But then this year comes along. If you add Larry Fitzgerald, like, leadership alone like you just added aj green you have deandre hopkins you know you just added jj watt almost one of the best defensive line guys in the game today you know it's a different look i think it's enticing enough for him to come back like are they going to give him that 11 million dollar deal like you said who's to say you know is his mind in it because like you said like it's it's a lot to process it's it's, it's a lot to take in because it's a discipline thing like i was saying before i had one interception 
back in middle school, whenever it was, in Pee Wee, I got tackled immediately after that and was like, I'm done. I'm not playing football after this year. That hurt like hell. Funny story, t- totally off topic, but uh, two weeks into the season, like we, we always have scrimmages at the end of practices. You know, seven days a week you practice, you have a walkthrough on Saturday before the game Sunday. But uh, two weeks left, I'm like, I'm definitely not coming back next year. And uh, I got roughed up a little bit in practice on a, a collision play. You know, I was tackling someone. Someone came in, helmet right to the kneecap. And, like, it hurt enough for me to be like, is it really worth it to come in the next two weeks? So I just stayed on the ground, was just grinding in pain. Like, it's not worth it. So they carried me off the field. But in my head, I'm just like, this is kind of a way out, kind of a scumbag <laughs> thing to do. But it happened. Um, and I, I'm just like, yeah, I may, it may be an MCL thing, whatever. I actually went to the doctor. They're like, yep, your season's over, buddy. You tore your MCL. I was like, what? Damn. I faked an MCL injury, and it turns out it was real, and I actually had to get, and I actually had to get surgery, and then it hurt like a bitch. Yeah. So I faked, and thank God I did, because I probably would have just torn it in half after that. But yeah, I mean, to go back to our point, that totally does not make sense what I was saying. Larry Fitzgerald, I think it would be it would be awesome for the city of Phoenix and for you know Glendale, Arizona, to see him come back for one more year with the roster that they have because I feel like this could be a year where they can compete and win the division. Yeah, I mean, tying a bow on it with what we were talking about with the the human aspect of it. Imagine playing a game for thirty years of your life, playing seventeen in the NFL, waking up every morning and looking in the mirror saying, "Am I really done?" It's like, how can you rush that? You know, it's, it's selfishly, it means a lot to the state of Arizona, to the Cardinals, to, you know, whatever, to, to his legacy or everything. He's accomplished everything he needs to accomplish. Like, sure, he may, may be able to catch one of Jerry Rice's records he hasn't caught yet. You know, he can extend the catch-per-game streak that he has. But when it comes down to it, is he willing to wake up, look himself in the mirror, and say, I don't have to go to practice today? Like, is that what he wants? And we don't know. Like, he's... The, the reason why people are saying, you know, it's, it, we think it's time, it's, it, it's, it's taking this long, he's probably going to retire. He's ready for the business world. He's been in the business world. You know, like he, he's got, I, I believe he's got a small stake in the Suns. Like he's, he's going to own a lot of stuff, a lot of businesses. He's very business savvy, really close to Robert Sarver. You know, like if it's time and he wants to retire before he's 40 and go right into that and have his body recoup for the rest of his career, you know, and not have any more... Um, injuries that, that will eat at him later on. Fine. Do your thing, man. Yep. He can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And if he comes back, great. If he doesn't, great. You know, he's going to be missed, but he's got bigger bigger things to, uh, to uh, you know, to take on than, than playing football if he doesn't want to put his body through it anymore. And get his a, mental. And his, get a uh, ring brain. through being an advisor. Yeah. You could do it that way. Probably not as special, but still counts. Still get it. I think David Ortiz got a ring for the 2018 Red Sox World Series just for, you know, being David Ortiz. So you can get it one way or another. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to touch up on, I don't want to take too much of your time. You did travel all the way over here. Uh, you know, you talk about, you know, having that balance, you know, right there with Larry Fitzgerald. Like, you, you announce your retirement, but at the same time, a little enticing for him to come back. But it, there's, you know, that balance of, like, do I really want to go back into the training? Do I really want to go back into the discipline stuff? Or am I just out of it? Am I burnt out? Because, like, you're not going to be the same guy mentally, because that's where it starts mentally, to be that person. So for you moving forward, what's kind of your biggest, you know, driving point, the thing that's kind of setting your soul on fire for what you do now and moving forward getting better always getting better always 
trying to learn new things and not be so close-minded as to um, what my brand is. Um, just trying to evolve and learn and get better as many reps as possible. And that's just, you can never get enough reps. You can always learn from everything that you do. That's so true. I mean, I, I'll look back at some of my play-by-play stuff and think like three years ago, that was bad. Five years from now, I'm going to think this is bad. Yeah. Five years from now, maybe even like a week from now, I'm going to think this is terrible, you know? Even I still you listen to know. stuff now that Bo and I do. I'm like, the hell was I talking about? You know, well, I could have done it, the, the cadence was completely off there. I wasn't saying what I wanted to say, even yep. though the words were right. And it's funny because like in the moment you think you're at the top of your game. Like this is my A stuff right now. And you look back like, thank God time evolves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, Alex, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for, again, just hauling your way over here. You didn't have to do this. You're no, a nice guy. Thanks for coming on the show. This was episode 349. This is The O Show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.